Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to the Tree Church Bible Study. My name is Chris Reed and I am your host here on this podcast. And also, I'm the Director of Biblical Education here at the Tree. And it's my honor and my privilege to be able to bring this podcast to you so that you can grow in your faith, grow in your understanding of the Word of God, and be encouraged as you take steps of faith in your everyday life. Today, we have a great podcast in store for you as we process through Hebrews chapter 11. And you can join us for the conversation here just after this advertisement. We're only a few days away from Christmas Eve at the tree. We have three gatherings taking place on December 24th for the whole family. Join us at 11 o'clock a.m., 1 o'clock p.m., and 3 o'clock p.m. Registration is required, so visit our app to sign up for the service you plan to attend. Welcome back to the Tree Church Bible Study. I am here today with Mary Johnson. Hi there. Welcome back, Mary. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for being here again. And Pastor Brandon, how are we doing today? Uh, good. Hi, friends. Good. That's good. To, good to have you here. Thank you. Hello, friend. Yeah, friend. <laughs> friend. I don't know why this truck is funny. <laughs> it's going to be one of those podcasts today, yes. guys. Here we go. So, um, so this is our Christmas episode. This is going to release the week before Christmas or the week of Christmas. So, um, I just got a couple of fun questions for us to, to get us kicked off here. So what is your favorite Christmas memory? Mary, let's start with you. I went with, I guess, as I was just thinking about what I went with, I went with like kind of tradition. So what I like to do, um, growing up, I, we always went and got our Christmas tree the day after Thanksgiving, cut down our tree and that was always fun. And that's a tradition we have as a family now as well. So that's one of my favorite memories is being able to do that, putting it up, decorating it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And my family, Christmas was a big deal for my grandma. Like she loved Christmas so much and she wanted it to be special for everybody. We had a pretty big family, so she put a lot of time and energy into it. And one year or a couple years in a row, I think it was, she had us grandkids act out the Christmas story in Bless the barn. It. it was so good. It was so fun. But we just look forward like to the it. Christmas story Correct. as in um, like the movie. Christmas story? No, as in like the story of Jesus. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> the Christmas true story. Christmas story. Yeah, the not Christmas like you'll shoot story. your eye out. So, okay. Yeah, and it was always something that we look forward to, and we always fought over who got to be who. Like nobody wanted to be the angel. Like everybody wanted to be the shepherd, and it was just like a blast every single year to go into it. And we actually did it out in the barn, so there was like that realism to it. And she would have like invite people to it as if it was like this awesome. legit thing. But it I was so, so wish much. I would have been able to see that. <laughs> Do it again. Yes, absolutely. But it was so much fun, and I just remember being at grandma's house, eating good food, hanging out with your cousins. I mean, we we weren't you know rich family or wealthy family, but every gift that you got was meaningful. And so I just remember awesome. opening those things and. And then uh, we also one year acted out the 12 days of Christmas song. So we like went through it and everybody had like emotion for each thing. And I just, it's so vivid in my brain of all my aunts and uncles and my grandpa and like everybody acting out the 12 days of Christmas. So that was that, a lot of fun. That's awesome. <laughs> nice. Um, mine, mine, I actually have two and mine would correlate with Mary's in that. So Thanksgiving day happened. We'd always get together, have family stuff. Uh, the day after, my parents always went shopping. So we'd go from Thanksgiving, we'd go out to my grandma, grandma's, and we'd stay at my grandma's on the Friday while mom and dad went shopping and whatnot. And and then Saturday was always the day we decorated the house, put up the Christmas tree and stuff like that. That That's just always been one of my favorite memories is the anticipation of getting the Christmas tree put up, spending time with mom and dad, 
getting mm-hmm. getting the house decorated and whatnot. Like that was just always an exciting event for us. And then my second favorite memory, and I don't know that one is better than the other, but like I absolutely love Christmas Eve service. Like the the whole like idea of a candlelight service and things like that. Our church, we we would put candle operas, so we'd have live candles up on tall poles at the end of like the pews and stuff. Like um, the whole church was decorated in greens, and and it was just, it was always a, it when I didn't have words for the Holy Spirit like speaking mm-hmm. and moving, like it was always one of those moments for me. Like it was always powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, that service was, and I just my favorite part was always just when the church was lit up with just candlelight and everybody singing Silent Night. Um, and, and part of it was as a kid, like that meant the service was over Christmas <laughs> Eve, tomorrow's Christmas, you yeah, know what I mean? But, yeah. but I think even as I grew up, like the significance of just that moment, mm-hmm. the, the church gathered together, singing, worshiping God and, mm-hmm. um, was, is always just powerful to me. So mm-hmm. like, that's one of my favorite memories. Sure. Um, what was your favorite part or, or let me ask this, it, uh, not of the past, but of your current holiday rhythm, like what's your favorite part of, of that? Chris, I had Christmas Eve service. It's like we're <laughs> yeah, all right. Married. Same, yeah. <laughs> no, I do love our our current Christmas Eve services here at the tree, and so having that rhythm of mm-hmm. we're here for most of the day, um, whether the services are earlier in the day or in later in the evening, but that and then we go home and eat together as a family and hang out, and that's a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I love giving gifts, and so Christmas is like the perfect opportunity to just be kind of generous in that way and, and think outside the box and how you can bless somebody's life. And, and even watching my, my kids open presents is always fun. Like, we're kind of beyond the Santa phase, you know, but at, to them that was the excitement of, oh, no, it, was there. it wasn't there, and now it's there, and now I get all these elaborate gifts, so that's always fun for me. Yeah, um, I would say, I again, I love the Christmas Eve service. The, it, what's funny is like another part of Christmas Eve for growing up for me was my dad was always such a mega volunteer at our church. So it was always going early with him, getting things set up, getting things ready. And so there was always a level of like, hey, this is tired. Like I'm tired. Like this is, <laughs> but on, but you're so excited and you're so, like so anticipating everything. And what's, what's crazy is that rhythm kind of continues over. I'm not exhausted in a bad way in any way, but mm-hmm. Christmas Eve day is usually like you got a lot of family stuff going on, but there's always the excitement of that. And that usually takes a little bit of work. And then you come and you, you spend all the time at the services, getting things ready and doing all of that. And, and so there's always excitement with that. So like those things stick out to me. And I love, I love that mix of exhaustion and excitement mm-hmm. and adrenaline, like that kind of, part of the the christmas eve and then the then the letdown of it is like (laughs) just where you just sit down you relax you drink a cup of coffee and you just kind of like like i love that part of christmas rhythm so that's not super spiritual but (laughs) a lot of spiritual things around it but uh, i like the adrenaline rush of christmas Mm -hmm. (laughs) nice um the most epic christmas present you've ever got been given one year my parents bought me Generous, generously a bike with a radio on it 
Whoa, but I, I didn't always, even know they were. Yes. Had those <laughs> nice. It's like an AM, FM like radio that attached the handlebars. <laughs> and I was so excited and remember riding that thing around everywhere. I had that bike for years. I think I wrecked it at one point in time and destroyed it. But I remember going to the library with it. Like just so many fond memories of riding my bike in the community. And that was so generous of them to think about me. I know the radio part is, is hysterical, but I loved it so much. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could see you right Picture now. Picture in the <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Playing your music. The radio blaring as you're going down the street. <laughs> the library. Oh, oh gosh. Mine isn't as cool. But it's I love it still. Um, my, um, my mother-in-law got me one year, a couple years ago, a KitchenAid mixer. And nice. I love Actually, I used it. I burned it out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I have another one now. Nice. But yeah, I, I love that present. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, I don't know. <laughs> my question, I don't know the an- my answer to it. Uh, th- yeah. I, so n- you guys probably do not remember this movie. The movie, do you, do you guys know the movie Rad? <laughs> it was a BMX movie. And, oh, oh I faintly. loved it. I feel it. like I faintly remember it. it. It was, it's a cheesy, cheesy late 80s movie. And it is, it's on Amazon Prime now. You can go oh, and watch boy. it. You can rent it. <laughs> And I've been I've been dying to rent it again and see if it holds up. But um, I absolutely love that movie. And one year for Christmas, I got a bike that was like from that movie. Like, nice. and so, BMX. Like, yeah, BMX bike. And so I loved, I loved BMX. We should have hung out bikes. with our bikes. Yeah. We should have. <laughs> you guys were destined to be um, friends. I was. <laughs> I was still a freshman. I was a freshman in college and I was still riding BMX. <laughs> sure. So still yeah. building jumps, still yeah. uh, hitting my head off the ground a lot. But Yikes. yeah. So, well, I hope you enjoy our Christmas memories. So, <laughs> um, Okay. So today we're going to be picking up in probably one of the most iconic mm. uh, passages in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, where we're looking at what's considered the hall of faith. And so, um, we're going to be processing through this, and it's got so much to say about the importance of faith and what how faith plays out. But we, what I want to do is I just want to remind us the call that the writer of Hebrews puts before us, the, the thing that he's asking the audience, the original audience and us to remember is that through difficulty, through trial, through struggle, there is a call to remain steadfast and faithful to, to, to Christ that Christ has won, essentially, he, he has created a way for you to have new life. He's won the victory. He is the one who saves and redeems um, God's people. And um, the way that we apply that to our lives is by trusting and putting our faith in Him. And mm-hmm. And there is temptation, and I think we could all say there is temptation when it gets hard to not hold fast to that faith, mm-hmm. to want to do the easy thing and to kind of want to draw back from that. And the writer of Hebrews is like, no, like stay the course, stay faithful and hang on. And now he's going to go through and he's going to give example after example of people who, and in and, and, uh, and not just people of ways in which uh, the people of God have held fast to faith um, throughout their, throughout their history. So um, if you've never read it before, you're, you're in for a treat. We're going to go through a lot of Old Testament stories today, um, and we may not talk about the details of all of them, but you get to hear a lot of the details even just in the passage itself. So let's pick up in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 
For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are that are visible. Now, he starts off right away from the beginning. He's like, in the beginning, when God created the earth, he created it by his word, something that was invisible mm -hmm. to make what was visible. And he says, all of the people of old, which I kind of already explained, received their commendation by living out of this faith. Um, when we think about faith and we think about the idea of the invisible versus the visible, uh, the assurance of something that's not seen, it can give off the impression, it can kind of make it feel like what he's saying is that faith is something that is blind. Mm -hmm. I mean, if something's not seen, we're blind to it, right? Like, mm -hmm. that that's a fairly safe estimation. Is faith, when we think about faith, and as we think about and try to define what faith is, is faith blind? Is there a level of, we just have to accept these truths, we just have to accept the things of God without any evidence, without any thought to um, to our rational mind. Mm -hmm. Like, th does the does does faith negate ra rationality and thinking? Like, be, and this is, I think, a common. Mm -hmm. It's a common conversation. It's what it's a common topic that people talk about when it comes to faith. What do you What do you guys think about faith being blind versus using our rationale? That type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just put, regardless of whether we know the precise outcome or not, I feel like, you know, when we're asked to put our faith in maybe an action step or something that God's calling us to, we might not know the precise outcome of what that's going to, or how that's going to pan out. But our faith tells us a couple different things that makes it not blind, in essence, like that that in the past, God has been faithful, and we'll read a lot of those stories, that God has been faithful sure. in the past to deliver people in that same promise, in that same truth. Maybe they didn't know the full picture. Maybe they not got, never got to discover the full picture. But in faith, God, in their faith action, God was able to fulfill the things in their lives if they if they stepped out and trusted in Him. And so we can look to those examples, maybe even examples in our own lives of times that we've done that. And so that's hard evidence for me in those seasons of God has been faithful in the past. But also that God rewards those, as it says a little bit later, who seek him, you know, that mm -hmm. there isn't like this blind all, all the time, never rewarding promise of God. You know, God is faithful to work out all of these situations in our lives, maybe not to the outcomes that we would choose, the expectations that we have. Mm -hmm. So we have to kind of be open minded in that regard. But those things are things that I constantly look to to assure me that. You know, I'm not doing this blindly, that God has been faithful in the past. He's going to continue to do that. And then he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Yeah, uh, that's so good. I, I can think of the times where my faith has grown the most have been places where that mm -hmm. has played out mm -hmm. like for me. So like there, there I can think of multiple examples, particularly around the area of finances, mm -hmm. where God has called me to do something that I was not sure about. Mm -hmm. And in my obedience... He proved himself faithful. Mm -hmm. right. He he demonstrated that he would come through mm -hmm. so that the next time that rationale doesn't play out for me, sure. you know what I mean? I'm reminded of the very thing that you said and what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do here. I'm reminded that, oh, God was faithful. Mm -hmm. I can have assurance of, and I think that's such an important part of it, is is it's not just blind. It's, it's the assurance of the things hoped for. Mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. has spoke it. And it's going to come true. Right. 
yeah, I think the the reward of seeking him then becomes the proof, which then causes us to take that next step of faith. It's like a cycle mm-hmm. of, okay, that is that does become our proof. So it might not be somebody else's proof, but it's our proof right. in our own life. Mm-hmm. And, and even in this these first few verses, like creation can be our proof. If you have nothing to rely on, mm-hmm. yeah, if you haven't engaged in a relationship with God and you haven't seen his faithfulness, mm-hmm. you can look and go, well, there's creation. You know, Correct. we can yeah. start from there, moving forward, taking that first step of mm-hmm. faith to then allow God to reward you for that, prove himself faithful, which encourages you to take the next step. Yeah, and, and I think some people see they, they see the story in Gideon and they go like, oh, we're not supposed to test God. We're not supposed to, to, to determine Gideon as, as fleece God or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that to, to a degree that's true, but I think the thing that I desire most for people is they that they do get those tangible mm-hmm those tangible opportunities to see God come through mm-hmm. because I know how much that has shaped my faith right. and, ch- and changed my trust of God. Um, I mean, speaking of faith not being blind, like I, I think we think of the relationship with God as something that automatically should start at 10. Right. Like, and, and sometimes I think it's more so that, that God is demonstrating to us that he is faithful and we are learning to trust him. In, in the process of it. Could you speak a little bit about to like that process? If we think about it in view of relationship, do you just start out in a relationship from get go, trusting the person completely? And is, is, I guess, is it, is it blasphemous to say that, that, that we treat the relationship with God the same way? Yeah, it's tough. I would say, as you guys were even talking earlier, that first step to choose um, God to follow after him to be in relationship with him probably is, I would say, one of the more tougher decisions in our life because we don't have anything to base it off of. Yeah. And but once that occurs, it is a development process. You know, there's so much that God wants to, for lack of a better term, correct and, and transform in our lives, to sanctify in our lives. And that all takes a process. And I think sometimes we're not willing to step into that process because it is grueling, you know, and it does take faith after faith after faith, you know, mm-hmm. step to make that possible. But I do think it's development. I do think it's a process. And uh, and the more that you learn to trust and develop in that relationship to trust that God is good and that he's going to come through on his promises, I think that certainly helps continue to create that development. Mm-hmm. How do we walk through? So how do we walk through the times though when mystery is a part of it like i i know that that we we are able to base our faith off of good evidence that we see through like you said creation and um through all of these different other areas where where god has proved to us that he's he's right and true but what about the moments where there is mystery like mm-hmm. how do we process faith is it okay to say like you just have to have faith you just have to you just have to put your trust in in this mm-hmm. and without solid evidence of of something coming to pass it, does that make sense mm-hmm. i think i was pondering that question <laughs> i think you do at times have to be okay with mm-hmm. saying i just have to have faith i don't think that's the answer for i don't think that's the solution for every problem sure. saying well just have faith it'll all turn out okay because there are action steps we god calls us to do mm-hmm. 
to lead us into wise decision making and you know so there there's lots of factors but there i think the mystery is the hardest part Mm -hmm. and being willing to be okay with not having all the answers or the solution right in front of you and going all right god this is a situation where i'm choosing to trust you to have faith in you not knowing what the outcome is going to be knowing you're faithful knowing you've proved yourself Mm -hmm. Um, but i think that is what restricts some people from entering to relationship with god Mm -hmm. or they enter a relationship with god and as soon as the mystery comes into it they Mm -hmm. just can't commit and so i think for me it's between do i have to have all the answers and not follow god or am i okay to not have all the answers and follow god yeah i'd rather have a relationship with god yeah i think it's okay to to answer like in faith lies your your response to that question but that doesn't negate that real people have real feelings and Mm -hmm. and real questions that come up or doubts that come out in that process so i think there is a part of acknowledging it i think there is sometimes a tendency for christians just to be like hey, just suck it up, essentially, choose faith and get over it, you know, but I think there is a realness to having conversations about it with others and bringing people into it, bringing God into that conversation. You know, I'm reading through Job right now, and there I just read in chapter two, like he's lamenting, he's talking about this process out with God and acknowledging God, this is a mystery. This is very, very tough right now. And then filling in that those gaps that where answers aren't as clear with like Mm -hmm. a level of trust and just trusting that what God, even as Mary said, that that God has been faithful in the past. He's going to continue to do that rather than filling it in with whatever other answer that we feel like, you know, God is doing that. God hates me, that he doesn't love me, you know, that he isn't faithful, reliable. So that's what we have a tendency to do rather than simply just trusting in God. Man, that's so good. And and I think the as a pastor, I think the hardest part is when someone comes to that place of mystery. I can remember having a conversation just just a, a, about a week ago with someone who just has experienced so much loss in their life, and they, they're just struggling with like, okay, I know the truths of God. I know that God has promised to be faithful. I know that He's promised to be present. I don't understand why, why when it rains, it pours. Like, mm-hmm. why am I experiencing so much loss at mm-hmm. this time? Like, why? It seems like something I can't handle. And and like as a pastor, like it's really hard in that moment to to both to to give the advice that I know is true mm-hmm. because you don't want to negate the the reality of like this hurts, like this compounded, this loss built upon itself is mysterious. Why would God allow so much and such devastating things to happen? Um and 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 where was God in that and why why does he allow that? And yet at the same time to know and trust and believe that God will be present with them in their suffering and their hurt. God will help them through that suffering and hurt, and mm-hmm. God will sustain them and, and give them what they need to continue to, to walk forward in, in faith with them. Yeah. So I found this quote. I don't know if it answers the question, but it's from A.W. Tozer, and I just thought, man, it just pinpointed exactly this conversation, but he said this. He said, the believing man does not claim to understand. He falls to his knees and whispers God. The man of earth kneels also, but not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, to find the cause and the how of things. And I just thought, man, that's such a great way of saying, like, faith is trusting. You know, faith Mm -hmm. is not always understanding the full grasp of what the mystery is. Awesome. So um, let's continue on. And we're going to get into, and and if you're an honest, you're like, you did not give a a clear definition of what faith was there. You asked a lot of questions, but to give a clear definition. 
the, I think the definition of faith is going to build as we go. So like as we look at each of these different sections, I think you're going to get a, get an element and a piece of faith because faith is a dynamic. It, it's such a dynamic thing. And, and at the end of it, I think we'll be able to have a clear idea of, of, of what faith is and what the writer of Hebrews sees faith as. So let's pick up here in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commanding him by accepting his God commending him by accepting his gift, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commending as having pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as, as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he, con he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So now we're moving on to some examples of the importance of faith, of, of why faith plays such a vital role here for the author of Hebrews, but also why it's why it plays such a vital role for Christianity in general. And and I think one of the key phrases that, that he says there comes in verse five, without faith it's impossible to please God. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Why why is it so central? Why is faith so central to Christianity? Why is faith so central to the relationship with God? And pleasing God. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, it really is the form of trusting God and taking that step in the relationship. Sure. Because you can recognize God is God, but it's something different to say, but I trust you with my life and I trust you with the outcomes of things that mm -hmm. I can't control in my life. I think it's just that next level of a relationship with him. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, it's hard to have any sort of relationship without that. You know, he's, he uses the word impossible, or the writer of Hebrews uses the word impossible, and that's such an interesting word, you know, because it sometimes feels like it prohibits anybody from experiencing because we all have lack of faith at times, you know. But but genuinely, I think it's just like faith or our relationship with God is built primarily on faith. It's why we were drawn to him. It's why we take the steps that we do. Uh, it's why we live for him every day. And so without that would make no sense because that's what the entirety of the relationship is built off of. Yeah. I, I think about the even like, so the Greek word for faith is, mm -hmm. is um, pistis. Mm -hmm. And it's scholars will s have spent a lot of time trying to, to really define kind of what faith is. Is it, is it, is it trust? Is it loyalty? Is it, is it, um, is it a belief, an assent to a belief? Is it, like, what exactly is faith? Is it, um, if I said it's, is it an object? Hmm. Um, would you understand what I mean by that when I say that? Like, is faith something that stands over and apart, like, like almost like a gift that's given to us mm -hmm. in, in that way? Um, and, and so scholars have really wrestled with what the, the real heart of this is. But I, I think the idea of trust and dependability and, and that idea of looking to God and believing that he'll that he cares and that he's he's going to be with us and for us like that he's going to come through on and, and he's and that he's true to his word i think really best i i really like that definition of it because mm -hmm. it it does take us back to the place of relationship 
with God. And, and that really is the heart. And, and can you have a relationship with somebody without trust? Would you, not would a you, good one. Not, <laughs> not healthy. It could happen, but yeah, it's yeah. unhealthy for sure. I was going to say, can you have a healthy relationship <laughs> without trust? What part, thinking through you guys' relationships with the, the, the people that you're in relationship with, what part does trust play in that relationship for you? Yeah, those words that he uses in verse six, sure and certain, like I think that kind of narrows it down for me, you know, uh, when I am sure that somebody's going to come through on something, you know, I, I entrust them with that, whatever that responsibility might be. If, if I'm certain that they're going to come through on, you know, if I ask my kids to wash the dishes, I'm not sure and certain that it's going to get done, you know, in the way that I like. But when it comes to God, I would say that relationship can be built on that, that surety, that certainty. And so that's kind of how I kind of envision it. Yeah, I see it as that I have, I can't think of a relationship of where I don't trust somebody, but maybe I haven't um, developed enough of a relationship with someone mm -hmm. in my life for there to be a level of trust, if right. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that relationship is only going to go so far. There's a certain level where that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't go deeper than that until yeah. I know I can trust them. And so when we think of healthy relationships, I think that has to be mm -hmm. the ability to trust God and know that he is faithful and trustworthy um, can, can open up the doors for how deep our relationship can go with him. Yeah. And, and I think particularly in light of the circumstances that, th that this audience would have found themselves in that they were being thrown in jail. They right. were being mm -hmm. rejected by, by people, by family members, maybe by, by society. And, and they're being called, and, and we're going to see that a little bit later here, but they're being called to do hard things right. based on this relationship with God. So if that level of trust isn't there, mm -hmm. how, how would you ever imagine doing that without yeah. that? Because yeah. like we've already talked about with the mystery, like there are going to be things that, that are mysterious and difficult to understand. And if we can't fill that gap with trust, like it's, you're right. I, I don't think we can go to the level of relationship that it takes. It, mm -hmm. it, it's impossible to please <laughs> mm -hmm. God mm -hmm. and to be in relationship with God without that level of trust. Mm -hmm. So, And can we just talk about Noah? I mean, <laughs> when I read, read that example, yes. but I think that had to be so encouraging. I know this passage is an encouragement to us now today, but to the people that this was written to, just thinking about, no, I know all these people that we're going to talk about had great faith, but Noah, to build an ark, for a yeah. hundred years or however long it took yes. him when yeah. people were making fun of him, calling him a fool. I mean, and he had to have felt foolish at mm -hmm. times yeah. because it was so bizarre what he was doing. But then to see the payoff, <laughs> I mean, how encouraging. Yes, absolutely. What a faith builder. Yeah. Well, even to bring it into our context, at times people look at their budget and go, yes. to tithe is foolish. Mm -hmm. Like to, to, to give of my time is foolish when I'm so busy. And yet God calls us to do these things and the faith comes in when we go, okay, this looks ridiculous, right. but mm -hmm. I'm going to trust that what you say will pay out for, um, the promise that you give mm -hmm. the, the, the blessing. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's continue on into verse eight by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place that he was to receive as an inheritance or excuse me, he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Imagine that. I want you to go east. Start walking. <laughs> yeah, start walking. <laughs> By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she was considered since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man um, I think I jumped something here. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, how would you like to be described as that? <laughs> <laughs> you're so old, you're as good as dead. From from that man were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Hmm. So a lot of what we're seeing in this section and in these passages, we're talking about Abraham, we're talking about Sarah, Isaac, Jacob. We're talking about all of these different people who have been called out of something, but called to something. So the... Abraham was called to abandon his his father's land and to go and that God promised to establish. So he was going to be given a land. He was going to be made a father of many nations. And and we can talk about the impossibilities of all of this here in a second. I mean, he was as good as dead and he didn't have a son yet. So, um, But he's called out of this place for the promise of something else, for the promise that one day he would have a people, for the promise that one day that people would be um, that the Savior would come from that people, that the, that they would live in the, the land that God was going to give them. All of these things were far off, and yet they were still, there was still this idea of, like, you're going to abandon this and go to this. So faith has this idea, or the writer of Hebrews is giving this idea that that to have faith means to abandon one thing for the promise of another. So there's a cost to faith. Can you kind of can you guys think of any ways and that 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 would be practical and applicable today? Like, is that something that God just did with these so-called quote unquote heroes of the faith that He mm-hmm. called them to do these crazy, amazing things? And um, faith doesn't contain that that level of abandonment for the sake of something else. That trade off. Or do you think no? This is this was a long time ago. We, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> well, I and up until this point, I failed to see the big picture story of what God was doing and how He continues that story through us and, and through us. And clearly, after Jesus Christ, some of that changed because mm-hmm. we're putting our faith in, in Christ to be able to work through us. And they didn't have that at that point in time. But it was amazing for me to be able to see that they were all taking steps to push that faith forward, to push God forward in all of those generations. Nowadays, then handing that off uh, to us as a baton to say that we're going to continue doing that. And we might not see what's going to happen 100, 200, 300 years later, if that's still a thing that's going to happen. But we're still given that responsibility of taking that faith and pushing it forward into this next generation. And I just Mm -hmm. think it's so cool to see it as a whole story 
versus this is something that God did uniquely back then, and that really doesn't apply to us today, but we're all a part, all the bodies a part of that story of moving him forward and, and continuing to bring more people into that relationship with God. Well, we, as the discipleship department, get a unique opportunity to be part of that process and mm-hmm. to be part of that continued story. And I know that we have regular conversations about what it takes to do that, to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the cost that it takes to see this play out in people's lives. Can you give some examples of, of things that you think, and I, like I said, I know we've, we've all talked about how things have to change in people's lives for them to truly grasp onto faith. What are some things that, that we see need to be addressed, need to be abandoned for the sake of grasping onto the promise that he says that the better country, the heavenly mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think abandoning the culture that w- what culture is trying to push on us now. So mm-hmm. there's so many facets to that. But even as you were asking that question, I was thinking of conversations we've had with our kids. And I remember my parents having with me when they're in school and it's so difficult to live a life that looks different Mm -hmm. from what somebody else is living and it's hard as an adult too but you know i look at myself i'm surrounded i work here at the tree so i have staff who have the same beliefs and are heading in the same direction so i don't have to stand up for my faith as much here Mm -hmm. as even my kids do in school and so telling them no you can't do this or you can't dress this way or you can't have these experiences that some of your friends are experiencing and don't worry it there's a better payoff like that's really hard to tell them (laughs) now Mm -hmm. um but saying like this is for your good because you will experience a better life if you refrain from some of these things or do some of it start implementing some of these habits into your life and but starting to see some of that payoff happen like as our kids are getting older and them recognizing like Yeah, what I so longed for, mm-hmm. but chose to live it or was forced to live a different way because basically we forced them to. Right. Um, I see that it hasn't brought fulfillment in the lives of my friends, and yet I'm experiencing something mm-hmm. different right. that does bring fulfillment. So it's been a really cool eye-opening experience for me as a parent to witness that. And, and not there's, that there's not still struggles and it, they still sure. have desires and things like that. But I think as we are discipling people as a mm-hmm. discipleship team, it's trying to really trying to convince people like you will experience a better life right. if mm-hmm. you, t- if you turn away from the world and turn towards the ways of Jesus. Um, but again, because everybody is telling them, no, the world is what will provide fulfillment for you. It's a super difficult mm-hmm. task, mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think back to your message that you taught a few weeks ago, and that was such a vivid example of that, those bananas, you mm-hmm. know, and the pathways that they, that are offered to us. You know, according to the world, you're offered a path of a systems of beliefs and behaviors that will lead you down one way, mm-hmm. and then Christ offers you something radically different you know, you are given that choice to abandon whatever the world would say is the way mm-hmm. versus saying what God is saying is better. And so I think a lot of times we we give up maybe financial situations, friendships, we give up um, things that we might want to possess, you know, whether it's like better things, you know, bigger houses, all those types of things for the sake of what God wants to do in and through mm-hmm. us to, to continue that story of what I talked about earlier, spreading that message of God. Yeah, and I don't know how it was for you guys. And I, I thinking back to like when I first became 
a believer, I know the number one question in my mind was like, well, can I still do this? Mm-hmm. Can I still be a part of, of uh, this? Like I love, I loved, loved, loved rock music. I loved like, I, yeah, I won't even go into the bands that I like <laughs> to listen to, but like, that was like one of the first questions that I had was like, can I still listen to secular music for, for lack of better terms? Can I still listen to that music and be a Christian? Mm-hmm. And, and I think we oftentimes, we play that game until we finally come to the place where we go. All these things that I keep trying to hold on to, they pale in comparison and they just cause me more heartache and struggle right. as I try to grasp at them while, while trying to grasp towards Jesus, mm-hmm. trying to go towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think the more I, the more I'm able to let go with the banana image, the more I'm able to let go of the, the, the rotten banana and even the the banana that's not rotten you know what i mean like the the banana that's just not jesus yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not as beneficial the more i let go of those things the more life the more joy the more hope i find in pursuing christ Mm -hmm. like the more i find in 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 living life christ's ways i I, man i think god has challenged me so much in my time like I've, i've been a pastor for 13 years i think that's right been following Christ for 20 some years, gone to church my entire life. And I am still in that place where like God is trying to, to take control and let me get me to let go of, of the things that I think are best for me. Mm -hmm. And yet hinder me from, from loving and and experiencing all that he has for me. And so like, I, I I feel the pain of people as they, as they wrestle with this, Mm -hmm. but man, I so desire to, to let it go. And mm-hmm. I so desire for people to let it go so that they can experience that, that life that, that only faith can, can give. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that, that word reward is so tricky because we can kind of define for ourselves <laughs> what the rewards are, you know? And I can imagine that each and every individual in this story, but throughout scripture had that same like just tension that they're constantly going through of, I could stay in this land if I'm Abraham uh-huh. and live this life out, be completely content, provided for, everything's great, or I could walk to something that's so foreign to me. And I think, you know, each and every one of us have to to make that choice in trust, in faith, to step out in that, in knowing that God is good and that he's better for us. But yeah, it, it that's the, I think that's the harder, temp, that's the harder temptation when, mm-hmm. when things are still good mm-hmm. yeah. and Christ calls us to more, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's the part that's so hard to overcome mm-hmm. when when it's the it's the good things that God gives that yet he he calls us to be disciplined. I, I'm a foodie, so I just use that <laughs> example. Like God created good food to taste like food to taste good. He created it so that we can enjoy it and yet at the same time it can become something that is a hindrance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us in Hebrews chapter 12 Throw off every hindrance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those are good things mm-hmm. that, that keep us from sure. from pursuing Christ right. to its full extent. All right, picking up in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the fat was was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. From which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob 
and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Okay, so now he is ramping up and he's getting to the place where he talks about this test that Abraham had to, that God had given Abraham. And, and, and then he steps it out. Like he says, if Isaac doesn't live, Jacob doesn't live. Jacob and Esau. If Jacob and Esau don't live, then Joseph doesn't live. And Joseph doesn't live, the exodus doesn't happen. And so like he's, he's playing out this level of history, but it all goes back to this test that, that God had put before Abraham to offer up his son Isaac. And, and what I love here is, is he is a pastor of pastors. He is giving explanation to Scripture. Because if you go back to the story in Genesis, it doesn't say that Abraham believed that God was going to raise him from the dead. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get that part of the story in Genesis. But but he's interpreting Scripture, and he's going, he was going to do it, believing that God would still give him mm-hmm. the promises that he mm-hmm. that he, he did. And so um, it, it's, it's just amazing to me that like that he, he puts us in here. And I some of the commentaries I read— and this is just an aside, sorry. This was something cool that I read that I was like, he puts it in here because in the back of his mind, he is pointing people to Jesus in this moment, Mm -hmm. that Jesus was the son offered up who was resurrected. And so in light of Jesus, he's reading this story of Abraham, this Mm -hmm. test of Abraham. It's cool. It's just a cool side. But going back to the, the idea of testing, have you ever experienced a test of faith? Does God still test us. I mean, I know there's the idea that God doesn't tempt us, but does God test us and why why would he do that? What what would be what would be the benefit of being tested in our faith? Yes, I have experienced. <laughs> um you referenced tithing. I think I I have numerous uh stories of tithing and how that's been a a test of faith and an opportunity for God to prove his faithfulness. So I've had numerous situations like that. Um, I think reactions and relationships have been a test of faith. So um, relationships that have had tension, like learning how to navigate my emotions and how to react in certain situations, putting my faith, like trusting that God will work in the relationship Mm -hmm. even if i don't do what i desire to do you know like have the emotions that or act out the emotions that i desire to like how i want to prove my point but trusting that god will be faithful in that um and then i would say i'm currently like in a step of faith or a test of faith um i've shared in different areas but my my mom has alzheimer's right now my dad's caring for her and that's just one of those mysteries that mm-hmm. we we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I know lots of people have been in different health situations, but the mystery that goes into it of why, um, what is the good that comes from a situation like this, but trusting that God is faithful mm-hmm. and will do something with that. Even the encouragement as I was studying for this of, I might not see the, mm-hmm. the reward of that, you know, as many people um, haven't throughout history, people who followed after God, but trusting that there's, there is a reason there is a reward in that. So I think, um, I, I don't think we, I think we will always be as we are followers of Christ. There will always be tests of faith mm-hmm. for each one of us. Mm-hmm. That was really well said. Yeah. I've never been a great test taker in like ever with anything. And I would say if faith is, is also somewhat true in that regard, but I think it is this sermon series that we're in that Jesus teaches one way of living that's better 
but a test is always to examine whether we believe that or not, whether we're willing to trust in that or not. And I right. think that's exactly what I've always seen as tests in my life. And you gave so many wonderful examples and very similar uh, to that in the sense that those are the things that when God speaks something to me, am I willing to trust him that that is true, whether mm-hmm. it's in relationships, whether it's in finances, whatever that might be. And I, I feel like we're always in that season of testing if we're willing to step into that and allow God to speak to our hearts uh, but knowing that God is true to whatever he says the outcome is going to be if we follow in those things. Yeah. I, is it, is it, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's either Peter or James. He goes, and the result of, of being faithful and suffering is for the tested genuous, genuineness of our faith. Mm. So it, it, the, the benefit or the, the outcome of faith is, the testing of its genuineness in our lives. Do you said it, do we truly believe and trust that God is going to do good out of these difficult trying circumstances of our lives? These, these tests that we experience. And I, and I think that like we hear that and we go, well, well, why does God need to prove our faith? He already knows our faith. God does. We need to, we need to understand that's so true the le- like the level of our faith why because not because god condemns when we fail but god demonstrates and shows when we fail so that we can adjust repent and and have a genuine faith so that we can live an entire lifetime through thick and thin through like i, I think of the marriage vows like mm-hmm. through sickness and through health through <laughs> so that nothing would take us apart from God. And and so there's this idea that, that testing, you're right, we get this bad taste in our mouth that that testing is something negative, but I think it is all st- it all stems from this fear of, oh man, I'm going to fail that test. I'm not going to do well on that test. Right. But it's not a condemnation thing with God. It's a, this is where we're at. Now let's learn to, tr- like, mm-hmm. let's learn to trust and let's grow. And so um, I can think of so many times in my life where, that has been the case where God has been like, you failed that test. And, and I instantly want to go to shame and I want to go like, I'm worthless. Like I'm not good at this. Like I'm not a great Christian. I'm not. And, and God is like, no, 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 hold up. (laughs) Like take a step back. I love you. I'm with you. I've not abandoned you. Now let's deal with the things that need to be dealt with so that next time mm-hmm. you respond with a genuine faith and belief and trust, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. And I, th- I, I wonder too, I, I don't wonder, I know at times some of the tests in my own life are in some of the mystery is to provide so that I will fully rely on God mm-hmm. and not come up with, I, I love coming up with my own solutions Absolutely. in life and my own answers and like figuring things out and being proactive. But I think I know a lifelong lesson God is teaching me is, no, this isn't something you can solve. This Mm. is going to cause you to have to consistently come back to me and rely on me. And I think about that a lot in different tests of life is, is this so that I'll rely on you, God? You know, what is the, Mm. what are you doing in my life? Why am I experiencing this? And it could be just so that I'm learning. I can't solve this on my own. Mm-hmm. Or, so or eventually you don't want to, you know. That right. Why would I want to <laughs> try to find a solution? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think that is the the myth sometimes that if I do control it, that I'm going to somehow produce something better right. in this situation. And the truth is understanding that, that God wants to invite you into that relationship because he understands that in that relationship, life is better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That our faith is better. So, yeah. Uh, 
that, that's the perfect segue into what we're about to get into. So um, we're halfway through this chapter, so we've got a bit to go here, but um, that's going to segue perfectly into the next portion that we're going to be reading through. He says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God that than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, who... When they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she was given a friendly welcome to the spies. So, we are uh, the writer of Hebrews is recounting the, the Exodus story here, and he's going back to this place where he's, he's with Moses. Moses, who was abandoned as as a baby he was he was given over um and put in the the um the river the nile river so that he he wasn't killed because the parents uh were for, it says that they were not afraid of the king's edict um they they did have a level of courage but at the same time <laughs> yeah. they they put him in the river because they didn't want him to be killed right yeah the pharaoh's daughter collects him takes him home and 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 what we see is that over Moses's life, though he was raised in privilege, he begins to understand who he is, what he, what he's from, and he abandons that partly out of fear because he killed somebody and he was afraid, uh, and so he ran away. But partly out of like he came to realize that God was calling him to be faithful to His people, and so Moses abandons like what we talked about. Mm-hmm. He abandoned one thing, the privilege, for something else, mm-hmm. and and so it was it was this faith that saved Israel from slavery. It was this faith that led Israel through the wilderness. And and so um, faith, again, plays this prominent role in the history of Israel, of God rescuing, His redeeming. But what I find really intriguing is is when they get to the part of the story where you would think um, that, that He continues on, not from Moses to Rahab, He continues on, you would think that He would go to Joshua. Because mm-hmm. Joshua is the one who marches around the city of Jericho. He's the one who leads the army. He's the one who brings the Israelites into the promised land. But instead, he goes to Rahab, the prostitute, who was mm-hmm. who was a, who helped the spies who came into the land. And if you don't know the story, Moses and the people come up to the, the land the very first—I uh, think it's the second time—when they disobeyed God, they go back into the wilderness, they're wandering in the wilderness. Moses and Joshua— bring them back, and they send in spies again. This time they go into Jericho, and Rahab shelters the spies. She protects them. She helps them escape from, from the, the men that were coming to seek them and sends them off. And she she has this incredible moment of like, we've heard what you've done to all of these other nations. We know what God that God is with you. Just remember me when you come back. <laughs> like when, so, when when you come back to take the city, keep me in mind. And, and so, this 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 lady who was what we would say is someone of ill repute 
is someone who um, would not be at the top of the list of those deserving to be listed in the hall of faith. Mm -hmm. She is the one listed here, not Joshua, um, when it comes to talking about the story of being led into the land. And and I read about this, and it, it really stuck. It was really interesting to me that this was, again, sticking with that theme of, of what the writer of Hebrews wanted his people to do. He wanted his people to realize that, that there is action involved. There is the abandonment of something mm-hmm. for the promise of something else. Rahab abandoned what was comfortable or what was familiar to her, mm-hmm for the sake of being saved when the, the when the nation of Israel came into its its power. So mm-hmm. I read read a when I was reading a commentary there was a quote that said faith will always do something. Hmm. And I think that's a perfect example of her there. Yeah. You know, when you have faith, you are doing something. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's just a thought or a feeling, right. but it actually is an action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good because it, I think there is the level of hey, have faith sounds like believe this and mm-hmm. there there mm-hmm. is a level belief happens sure. first yeah but yeah you're right it's the writer of hebrews wants them to do something mm-hmm. a living and active faith mm-hmm. continuing on in verse 32 and what more shall i say for for time would fail me to tell of gideon barak samson jephthah i don't know that i said that name right <laughs> i'm going with it uh, yeah of david of samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kings kingdoms enforced justice obtained promises stopped the mouth of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight women received back their dead by resurrection some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves on the earth. And so, yeah. (laughs) So we go from this story of the Exodus Mm -hmm. to this to some of the other main characters and a lot, some of these characters, maybe, you know, Gideon was one of the judges. Barak was one of the judges and Barak was actually one of the judges along with um, Deborah, who Barak is kind of the chump in this story. He is the one who lacks faith, which is ironic that he shows up here in the story. Samson, he's, he's a fool, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> like he, he essentially the, goes out in a blaze of glory doing God's will because he <laughs> yeah. was foolish. Um, Jephthah, I meant to look up that story of Jephthah, and I couldn't remember what exactly it was. Um, but David, David was the least of his brothers. He was the, and Samuel was the last of the 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 prophets of mm-hmm. that day. And, and, and then it goes on to all of these people who were arrested and, and essentially martyred for for their faith. He's, he goes on to like contemporary examples for them of people who had given up something for the sake of following Jesus. And so I say all of that to, to, to bring us back to this place where when we hear these stories, and we, we've talked about it earlier, I think we, we have this fabled mindset with it. We think these are people from old, but and, and, and these are people that exam, exemplified faith in a way that stand over and apart from us. But if you think about the examples that he gives, the writer of Hebrews is actually not giving the best examples always, 
of people of faith. It's the people who made mistakes. It's the people who weren't the most religious. It was the people who, like Barack, like he abdicated his leadership to to Deborah in that moment, and Deborah was the one who went and 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 uh, killed the the Philistine ruler. Mm-hmm. And so, like, what you get is people who are everyday people who are now memorialized in this passage as people who, though they struggled, still responded in faith, still were part of faith. So that, and, and this is, I'm kind of hemhauling here, but so that the people who read this passage could go, mm-hmm. hey, I see myself in that. Mm-hmm. I, I could be a person of faith like that. And, and, and despite all the trials and troubles and sh- struggles and tests that they were experiencing, I could stand up underneath those things as well. Mm. So how does the mindset that, that we are, let me think about how I want to ask this, the, the idea that the everyday person is the one who's meant to be the, the quote-unquote hero of faith, how, how encouraging is that? Like, how, how does that change how we perceive and think about even our own everyday lives as we walk in relationship with God? Yeah, I've always read this, and when we call it the Hall of Faith, it's always like, well, these people knew that they were going to do something powerful, but they did not, you know what I mean? They right. honestly, in those moments, had that faith choice that we all have to either step out of it, step away from it, you know, or to step into it. And and I think it is encouraging for us just to keep those perspectives in mind that at any point in time, I know some of us probably would never want to step into some of these things, but right. at any point in time, we might get called to do something profound to spread the message of the gospel, you know. Um, but I think there is a preparation of heart in some of that, too, like that we are rooted in faith because if it would be very tough, I think, for, for God to want to work that in and through us if, if we aren't taking those steps of obedience that he's calling to us, even in the daily tasks that we're called to do. Well, I was just going to ask you, I was going to say, expound on that more. How yeah. does God train us in those steps of faith? I think it really is a daily moment by moment process. I was just actually wrote it in my notes. Like I used to think that it was like a season by season thing, but I can think very vividly, even as of today, there's things that God has called me to that require faith. And, and, and so it is making sure that when God is calling us right now in those moments that we're taking even those small little steps in order to prepare our hearts for maybe if there is something bigger that he wants to do in our lives. And I think God can, like he used David, can use a heart that is open to that and willing to to step mm-hmm. into that. Uh, so I think it is just being willing to say yes, as Matthew's been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's super empowering to think about the idea that God could use people like us to be example for others, a testimony of our faith. Mm-hmm. And I think even as you were saying those those small decisions that are steps of faith can have still have a huge impact on people. And if that passage were written today, could, you know, some of the names could still be in there, people who've taken small steps of faith, Mm -hmm. but it has impacted people's lives in huge ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I know of testimonies of people who've taken a small step of faith and their families cannot believe that they are doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's changed the course of their family. Mm -hmm. Their families come to know the Lord through their one little, what seemed to them, little step of faith Absolutely. that they took. Yeah, Absolutely. I can think of marriages that are still together because someone chose to forgive right. in, a te- in a test, in a trial where, where the other partner failed. I can think of people that come to our church and that are believers now because someone just took the, the, 
the step. quick step of going, hey, you want to come to church with me right. to, mm-hmm. this weekend? Like mm-hmm. people that have have seen their finances transform because they decided, hey, I, I'm going to put this first and I'm going to put tithing or or learning the, the process of generosity. I'm going to put that first. Mm-hmm. And, and like it's those things. And honestly, it can be even smaller. Mm-hmm. The people that people that struggle with with addiction, the, that one small step of of like, I'm going to call this person because I'm struggling today, right. like could change the course of sobriety for the next year. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, people like, when watching TV and something inappropriate comes on, turning it off in that moment is one small step of faith that mm-hmm. could lead to something greater in the future. It's like it, it, I love the way you guys said it. Every single moment of every single day is an opportunity to to trust God and to mm-hmm. grow in our faith. And so, yeah, it's, uh, great stuff. Like, um, I thought I had a follow up question, but I don't. So we're gonna <laughs> we're we're gonna keep going on. We're gonna close this thing out. So, verse thirty nine and forty. And all of these, though commanded through their though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So essentially what he's saying is they all had to wait for the fulfillment of of the the completion of their faith, the completion of the promise. And and the idea is he's going to go on and he's going to talk about, though Rahab kind of sits as the the kind of pinnacle of this list of people of faith, he's going to go on and he's going to talk about how Jesus is the author and perfecter of the faith. He is the one who really models and and not only models but he is the one who has completed what they have waited for <laughs> and yet at the same time there's this uh, there's this invite that or this idea that we are invited into it now and we're able to partake because they were willing to wait and 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 I've been thinking about this and I ask this question to God a lot too there are times that and there are ways in which we're still waiting for the culmination mm-hmm of the promise that God has for us. We're still waiting for Christ to come back. We're still mm-hmm. waiting for um, the full transformation of our lives. We're, and, and, and so we're still looking to the author and perfecter to make us what he meant us to be. And so faith has this thing where it's, it's always giving us a promise. And, and oftentimes between the promise and the reality of that payoff, there, there's the process. There's the waiting. There's the, there's the, there's the in between. It's the, the seasons of saying the small yeses. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The small, the small steps of faith. Why is that process? <laughs> why does it have to be part of faith? And 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 why is it so hard for us? Why do we kind of cringe when we hear, "Oh, we're gonna have to wait." Because we're human. <laughs> because I think it's even more, a little bit more tough. And that's tough for all of these guys. As even I think about Abraham waiting 25 more years before that promise ever came. And God continued to revisit him and say, hey, it's still coming. Just be patient in yeah. the process. But um, I think there is a desire in all of our hearts for immediate payoff. You know, that it is outside of our control, that we can't do anything to manipulate the situation to make it come faster. And I don't think that's how any most other things we feel operate in life. Like if I need to go to the ATM, I can go to the ATM, pull some money out, you know, and I can use it at that point in time. That's not how a lot of these things happen is I can't just go and just make something happen automatically because I, I've willed it to make it happen. So 
I think there is just making sure that we're living currently in the processes and sustaining to do the daily things mm-hmm. um, in those waiting seasons, but it is so much outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thinking about that there might not be a payoff here or there will be a payoff here because we will grow closer in our relationship with God. Sure. So of course that's the payoff, but not knowing the full story or the full answer or all the the parts of the answer, I guess, is it's that's a difficult reality to think about. Mm-hmm to accept but it it is it's again it's the mystery and Mm -hmm. choosing to say god i might not see everything the payoff here as these people in this passage that we read about they did not all see it Mm -hmm. um but that there is still a reward just because i can't see it now doesn't mean there isn't a reward yeah It, it how does and i've asked this question i've asked this question last week i asked this question the week before how does keeping the promise and the in the promised payoff in front of us, how does that help us remain faithful in the waiting, in the process? Why is that such an important thing that like he kept in front of them? They chose this, but they they anticipated a reward. Why does he keep putting a reward in front of them? I, I don't mean this to sound harsh, but I think there's a weakness on our part to be able to sustain ourselves. And I think going to church, you know, giving us the Holy Spirit, giving us his word, giving us his promises are all things that God has done because he understood that about us, that he knew yeah. that we were going to be weak all the time, <laughs> yeah. you know, and need those support systems in our lives to have relationships in our lives. And and so that's just what I always go to in those seasons of waiting is, is knowing that God is still caring and supporting for me and has given me everything that I could possibly need to make sure that I can get, get through that as no matter how hard or challenging it gets. Yeah. yeah. I think just knowing that God desires to be in relationship with us mm-hmm. and can use any situation to cause us to still be in relationship with him. If we have a, a heart that's submissive to that, but saying, yeah, God, I, I have to rely on you mm-hmm. to get through this season mm-hmm. of life. Um, not do I have to, but I have the opportunity to, because with it, with obedience always comes blessing. And yeah. I can experience the blessing of maybe not the final reward, but what you're going to teach me in the process of putting my faith in you. Yeah. So it's not just, it's not that God leaves us to to wait all the way till the final day to, to, to receive good from it. Right. Yeah. It's, it. It's both and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's pointing, like you said, to Christ here, who has given us the best possible gift ever and yeah, so it begins our, now right because Christ our sense come. of entitlement sometimes thinks that we need some other great reward but in all actuality god god will bless us sure but in all actuality he's already done the most it. incredible thing that he could have ever possibly done in our lives so we have to kind of keep that locked in our perspectives yeah uh funny story um you guys reminded me of the follow-up question i had prior to <laughs> um you guys have both talked about and you mentioned this just even in the last this last section of, of depending on God and, and really learning to rely on him. The, the, the question that I was going to follow up with in the last section, and, and it really was the, the point of that section, somehow I missed the entire point of it. <laughs> the point of that section was that it wasn't dependent upon them. Right. It wasn't dependent upon them for the, the, the big thing of faith to, to happen. These people these everyday people were able to be people of faith because God was with them in their weaknesses because God was the one who came through. And so, um, yeah, remembering and keeping in front of us the fact that God is with us, that he's, he is the one who sustains us. And it, 
the one who promised is the one who's with us in the process is the one who mm. will pay it out mm-hmm. one day mm-hmm. and, and will give us everything that we need. And Christ is the forebearer. He's the author. He is the perfecter. He is the fulfiller of that promise. Right. And, and, and he will see it through as we just walk with him every single Absolutely. day. Mm-hmm. Amen. Would you guys have any other thoughts before we close up? I don't No, It's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again for listening. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family. And, and I pray that through this Christmas season, because we want to wish you a Merry Christmas today, through this Christmas, Christmas season, you are, are blessed with the, the presence of Christ, mm-hmm. that you're filled with His Holy Spirit, and that you find life and hope as you process through your tests of faith and, and, and try to stay faithful and, and put more and more trust in Him. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you and Merry Christmas.